0: This is Transforming Sport. I'm Sean Heath. This month on the podcast, I sat down virtually with Dr. Anna Tjondal to talk about a viewing pleasure of mine, but something that has increasingly grabbed the attention of sports federations, the IOC, economists, and gamers around the world. That's eSports. Dr. Anna is Associate Professor of sport Sociology at Nord University, Norway, and has held the title of Norwegian National Champion in Women's Boxing. She has a prolific publishing record in academia on a variety of topics, from gender equity issues in boxing, esports, coaching policy in sports, and social innovation. She recently published an article which reviews the growth of esports in Norway between 2016 and 2019. In this episode, we discuss the stereotypes of the gamer and how her research has shed light on this false portrayal. She also discussed the ability of esports to provide spaces for forms of social inclusion and community, which more traditional physical sports clubs have recognized and have begun to incorporate in their club structure. The differences and similarities between sport and esport are a hotly debated topic. I hope you enjoy this first episode of our mini series on esports. All right. Today, I have joining me uh, Associate Professor in the Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences at Nord University, Norway, Anna Tondol. Uh, Anna, thank you so much for coming today uh, to be on the Transforming Sport podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So uh, you've recently written a couple of really interesting articles uh, around youth sport. Um, but before or sorry, youth esport. But before we get into those um those articles and what esport is uh and and how big it is and how it's growing uh in norway in particular Uh, i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your own sporting background and your own academic background
1: yeah sure Uh, so i always say that i was a boxer before i became a researcher i actually i've been doing sports and loving sports since yeah i was five or six years old. which is uh, actually a bit surprising because uh, when I first started the first grade, I really wanted to join a band and play the drums. And I remember coming home uh, with the drumsticks from school and, and showing my dad, and he just ripping them out of my hands and saying, In this family, we do sports.
0: <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
1: So, so uh, not very pedagogical, but um, and I, got, so I sort of got three sports that I could choose from. I could do uh, cross country skiing, or I could play football, or I could uh, play handball. And so I chose football and handball. Uh, but uh, I guess he he knew what he was talking about because. Uh, Ever since I started playing football when I was six years old, I loved sports and all through uh, yeah my childhood and youth. I played uh, all kinds of sports, football, handball, boxing. I began when I was, yeah, I think I was 16. First time I oh, wow. entered the boxing gym. What got, so what, got you,
0: yeah, what got you interested in, in boxing?
1: It was um, actually... Just completely random. There was a um, this advertisement in the local newspaper uh, that they were starting boxing classes for beginners, and that uh, they just said girls are welcome. Uh, and I thought, oh, I want to try that. Uh, so I went there with uh, two friends, and and I, for me, it was just love at first sight. I right then I was all I wanted to do was boxing. It was like a completely magical world. So, uh, so since then I've been boxing and <laughs> loving it. Oh,
0: well, that's great! I don't think uh, a lot of our our 16 year old listeners, uh, if we have many out there, uh, probably read the local newspaper, <laughs> or or you know definitely certainly not in, in print, but potentially on on the internet nowadays. So yeah, it's. Oh, that's really interesting
1: yeah Yeah, nowadays we advertise on facebook but yeah (laughs) it was a different time
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh great so from your uh from your love of boxing then um how did you go from uh being a a high performance athlete um and moving into academia
1: well uh i would say it's kind of also by chance I, i finished high school of course Uh, I tried to get drafted into the Army, um, but I didn't get the type of vocation that I wanted. So uh, then I said, okay, I should study something. And uh, I didn't really know what to study. Uh, So I began um, this uh, physical education teacher program, um, first year, and then we had this one course called, um, it was sports science or introduction to sports science or something like that. And I really loved it. And my teacher said, okay, if you love this, then you have to move to Trondheim um, because Anton, you have a, a really great um, master program in sports science. So I went to Trondheim. I was still just young. I didn't really know what I wanted (laughs) i just thought sports for fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i kept uh, i went to school there and and there i met uh, at ntenu i met um, professor yurid holton which uh, i think at least a lot of uh, people in sociology of sport will know her name and her work in gender and uh, she had these amazing lectures on gender equality in sport and on social inequality and power relations in sport. And it really uh, resonated with me uh, because of my love of boxing, uh, because it is such a male-dominated
0: sport. So true.
1: Yeah. And then I, I knew that I kind of found my academic home, and then I wanted to continue studying sociology of sport, and I just uh, kept with it and they haven't kicked me out so far. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, that's a really fascinating background. Yeah, I think that that's so often uh, the case with a lot of people that, that come on the, the podcast and a lot of academics that study sport that I speak with. Um, they come at it from, a, oh, this is, yeah, sport is sport is fun. Sport and recreation a leisure. Um, you know, they're sort of for an enjoyment. Uh, and then you take that. They take that passion and they've translated it um, uh, into their profession, which is, I think, always a, a great, great thing to see. Especially when people are so passionate about their their topics uh, and the research that they're doing.
1: Absolutely, makes life so much more fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think that comes out in the scholarship as well. You just get you just get better scholarship when when people are, are passionate about it, and much nicer to read and, and easier to communicate. Yeah,
1: I think so too. Better science and better teaching. I think students also really—they can tell if you are enjoying your work.
0: Exactly. So I guess that brings me on to uh, the title uh, of the article that I—I I wanted to bring you on here and ask you about today, which was uh youth sport 2.0: uh, the development of esports in Norway uh, from 2016 to 2019. Um, so maybe you could just start off by telling us uh, what. Is uh, esport and sort of how did you come across uh, esport from, I guess, boxing in your own academic uh, background?
1: I mean, you have uh, boxing games in esports too. (laughs) But uh, yeah, Uh, esports, I would say, is uh, sort of at the center of this uh, rise of new, virtually played sports. I think most people think of um, uh, contesting computer gaming. when they think about esports, and that certainly is the uh, the main area or the main focus of esports. But um, there's also uh, some scholars that would define esports as uh, any uh, sporting competition mediated through uh, digital tools, uh, which would include things like um, augmented reality technology and uh, virtual reality technology. Uh, which then broadens the focus a bit uh, to also include uh, potentially types of eSports that could uh, have more physical elements uh, to it. Um, everyone probably knows this game, Pokemon Go, yeah, uh, which has this R- AR element uh, to it. Uh, so it kind of depends how strictly how strictly you want to define eSports if it's only, uh, competitions in uh, computer gaming, or if you see it in a broader perspective, uh, which I think uh, yeah, currently is uh, where the IOC is sort of heading towards with this strategy.
0: Oh, interesting. And what is the uh, what is the IOC's, I guess, sort of strategy that they've put forward for for esports recently?
1: I mean. Their signals, at least, is that um, they are interested in esports in terms of including it in the Olympic Games. I think it fits very well with their overall goal to make the Olympic Games more youth-friendly. But uh, so far, they have been very um, concerned with including sports video games, uh, mostly or only, um, if esports is to be a Discipline in the Olympic Games, um, but I think any esports fan would know that sports video games is just a very, very small part uh, of the esports uh, world. Uh, so we'll see if if the IOC moves forward uh, in this talks about including esports and if they if they will broaden the scope. But so far, I think it's. It's mainly games like NBA 2K, FIFA, um, and, well, uh, uh, hockey game, these types of sports
0: video games. Right. So it's definitely certainly not outside of the box for the IOC to be sort of contemplating these things. They're taking actual sports, but then are just uh, played and, and contested in this in these virtual domains.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: I guess, like you say, like it, it is... Sort of in continuing with their line of making youth uh the uh, the olympics more youth friendly with the inclusion of we've seen of, of surfing and uh um skateboarding sports within the climbing. upcoming and sports yeah. climbing yeah uh within the upcoming uh 2021 uh 2021, tokyo olympics
1: 2020,
0: 2020, 2020 <laughs> 2021 yeah <laughs>
1: when you watch the european football cup now and it says 2020 it's a bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a bit off-putting yeah Yeah. it feels like a time warp though yeah the time warp that we've had over the past year and a half yeah that's that's really interesting so how did you how did you come to i guess how did you come across esports um in your research
1: well uh, my phd thesis was on uh, social innovation in sport And part of that is technological innovation. Uh, So in my PhD research, I was mainly concerned with how technology can be used to include new groups of people or improve sports in this kind of social ways uh, or for social purposes. Uh, And and this kind of interest in sport and and digitalization and technology uh, led me to eSport. Uh, I don't know uh, what the case is uh, in the UK or in other countries, but in Norway, there's been a lot of discussion about um, e and youth in terms of uh, how it can combat uh, loneliness, uh, how it can uh, uh, help uh, uh, youth with uh, physical disabilities to... Uh, to feel more included, to have more friends, um, and also to be included in sports in ways that uh, might be difficult at the local level otherwise. Um, So uh, these kind of um, discussions, I would say, in in the uh, public, uh, public domain or in the media has kind of led me to uh, to look more closely at esports in Norway and what's happening here.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, I think so many um, social groups and community groups are very much based on a, a physical activity, especially here in the UK, whether it's a, a football club or an outdoor walking club or a, or a swimming club um, or a triathlon club, like there are a lot of here in uh, in Eastbourne. Um, but having those, those groups uh, of people who maybe have severe allergies, um, so going outside and, and going for a walk is, can, can be distressing um, or have different physical capabilities um, or neurological capabilities that are unable to participate in these more traditional forms of, of physical community activities, um, that this eSports provides a, a lot of opportunity for them for, for that sort of social and community support and engage and engagement. So, so
1: exactly. It's not to say that it, it always does that, but it's like, I like a lot of cases with sport, <laughs> but there, there is potential there to have some benefits. I think, think.
0: Yeah. So what is the, what is the uptake? Um, what has the uptake been like? for these esports groups and sort of, uh, incorporating them into, into conversations, maybe both at the local level and at, at the national level in Norway.
1: I mean, it's, it's very difficult to say, um, to really put a number or, or, uh, to define the, the growth and, and the uptake in them, because as of now, they're kind of operating a bit under the radar. Um, e is not uh, part of the Norwegian Confederation of Sports um, Norway has this kind of very strict way of organising what is sport and what is not sport uh, and not being part of uh, the Norwegian Confederation of Sports means that uh, there are no uh, membership uh, accounts for instance um, uh, at the same time um there are more and more sports clubs, for instance football clubs that have started to organize eSports groups that have uh, bought uh, you know computers and gaming chairs and headsets and arranged uh, gaming rooms in their clubhouses um, so, so that's why I say they're kind of under the radar because there is uh, quite a lot of esports happening in Norwegian youth sports clubs, but it's not registered anywhere as esports.
0: Right. And is a lot of that similar, sort of, to the IOC model of we'll take a traditional, uh, in air quotations, type sport and turn it virtual and then have people play it, such as football or, or rugby or, or cricket or the like?
1: yeah i think it's uh, i mean the tendency in norway is definitely that it's the football clubs that have adopted the, the fifa game mainly mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, without a doubt um uh, what we see the most across the country um and i think that just has to do with the um this sort of the pragmatics of it that uh, it's relatable, you know it, it, it fits good, it's like I say, it's just a virtual uh, form of the sport you're already organizing um, while uh, when it comes to other esports games um, like Counter-Strike or League of Legends or Hearthstone and in these games which are, are much more popular and um, when you look at just number of players and and audiences and these kind of things, um, they are mostly organized uh, by uh, schools, um, hmm. schools that have these, uh, especially uh, uh, high schools that have um, uh, high school sports programs Okay. Uh, several high schools and, and more and more each year uh, have started to include it's okay in the high school sport program you can choose football handball running whatever and suddenly you can choose e and they include all kinds of esport games uh, so we have this kind of division uh, where sports clubs are dealing with the uh, sports video games (laughs) (laughs) and the high school sport programs are dealing with everything else (laughs) (laughs) but we are seeing uh, I would say after 2019 just the last two years um, some uh, esports youth clubs that are kind of not connected to anything in terms of sport organizations they're just starting up and trying to to create something to probably to include all the games they want to include
0: oh that's really fascinating that's uh, really interesting to sort of see that that split where you have sort of the everything else from your first person shooters to your strategy games to your real-time strategy to your card games um, incorporated in these in these education and school programs well i guess not Within education programs, but within schools, um, and then the the sporting the sporting esports games connected to to some of these clubs. It's sort of a yeah, an interesting <laughs> split in and of itself.
1: Yeah, and I think that's also like in terms of sport policy, uh, one of the, the issues at the national level in Norway, because it's not that the Norwegian Confederation is negative towards including esports, but how. How are they going to do it? And one suggestion right. is, of course, to say eFootball will be organized by the Football Federation uh, and NHL will be organized by the Ice Hockey Federation and uh, B2K by the Basketball Federation and so on. But then what about all the other games? Um, and the other suggestion would be to create a new national federation, hmm. uh, the eSports Federation. Um, which there actually is a region esports federation, but they are not connected <laughs> to the confederation of sports. And they are also just kind of trying to make a stand.
0: <laughs> right. Sort of like a calling themselves a national organization, but not necessarily being connected with, uh, with the national policymakers and decision makers.
1: Yeah. yeah not in terms of sport. And mm-hmm. then of course the question is why should, does e-sport need to be connected to sports uh what do they gain from it uh what the sport gain from it
0: um,
1: so yeah a lot of questions in this field
0: <laughs> yeah certainly um so i guess it, it, something that's sort of brought to mind would be if they're trying to connect themselves with with sport sort of more formalized traditional sport um Why are they maybe trying to go, maybe you can't answer this question, but why are they trying to go down that route instead of connecting themselves with something like, um, say billiards or darts or chess, um, and going that, that route?
1: I mean, um, is a part of the Norwegian sport confederation. So they, in Norway, they are within the sports realm. Chess is not, um, the main reason for that in the norwegian case is that um, norway has very strict rules about competition for children uh, that uh, children cannot compete and have a winner um until they are i think it's 11 or 12 if i remember right uh, which uh, the chess federation um is not very happy about so they don't want to be a part of sport for that reason oh. um so there are some some issues like that. Uh, when it comes to eSport, I am not convinced that um, the Norwegian eSports landscape is unified. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, uh, and this is just my hypothesis, but I think it varies um, within groups and within types of um, game genres and um, sports video games, of course i i think they will be more than happy to be included in the, the national federation associated that their game is associated with i'm not so sure about counter strike league of legends and these games that already have these large international platforms yeah um, i'm i often wonder what's in it for them um to be associated with sports mm-hmm. um, it might be the prestige. If uh, I mean, obviously, being included in sports gives you um, access to some pots of money mm-hmm. uh, from the state, uh, which could help locally to to fund youth activities. Uh, that could be a reason. Um, of course, it could be uh, if it if esports is included in uh, in the Olympics. I think that will be a motivation for some because it's very prestigious
0: right
1: so but otherwise i mean there are teenagers becoming millionaires <laughs> winning <laughs> world championships so <laughs> Ooh, maybe they don't need to be a part of sports
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a, that's, yeah that's that's yeah it's an interesting point um yeah so in your in your um analysis of, of some of the broader literature uh, on esports in preparation for this for this article, what did you find that's particularly unique about the Norwegian context as opposed to some of the other um, studies that have been done on on esports?
1: I think uh, what's unique to Norway is that you have this kind of divide that we just briefly touched upon. Um, on one side, you have this tendency that esports is gradually being integrated into Norwegian sports. Uh, kind of under the radar through football clubs who are just going for it and hosting esports activities. And on the other side, uh, it's it's being connected more closely to sport through the high school sports programs, uh, which even though they are not connected to to any sport federation or uh, the confederation, it's still, I think, these two things... They kind of, um, or I would assume that they affect how we think about esports and their relation to sport just among the Norwegian uh, people in general. So it's kind of gradually becoming more and more normal to associate esport with sport in different contexts. Um, But it's, it's, and it's also this divide between the sports video games and, uh, the rest the rest of the game genres um, that I think it's a bit uh, unique um, that we don't really have a strong uh, national esports federation uh, and that's not a critique of of the organization that's called the Norwegian Esports Federation but they're kind of in between and a rock and a hard place right now um, they're not connected to sport and don't really have the means to, to be a strong unifying organization, yet at least in other terms. Um, so, uh, so I would say that that the divide between high school sport, sports and uh, integration of e football in football clubs is kind of uh, unique, at least from what I know, uh, compared to other countries.
0: Oh, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, yeah, making that connection between uh, sort of elite youth sport and, and eSport athletes. Um, and a small quote that I pulled out is you cite that nutrition, sleep, rest, and, and general physical conditioning uh, is often highlighted, uh, at least within the literature, as being a necessary component and connected with eSport athletes as much as it is with with youth athletes. I think a lot of people wouldn't, really make that connection um and i think the the potentially popular stereotype of esport athletes and computer game players is very far from you know nutrition general good physical conditioning and having a lot of sleep rest we're thinking of sort of grinding hours like tens dozens of hours at the computer um eating bad food drinking lots of energy drinks etc uh (laughs) And I don't think you know a lot of popular uh, media has, has presented the, the gamer very very well in this light.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, one of the texts I analyzed in this paper uh, had the heading "Lazy Fat Nerds Will Be Our Next Olympic Heroes,"
0: <laughs> 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 which
1: which I think describes how some people view gamers. Um, of course, stereotypes they they come from somewhere, but I think part of the integration of esports more in elite sports um, has brought focus to nutrition, to sleep, um, to physical um, training. Um, so that might be one of the good things for esports players in terms of. Uh, of being integrated with sport that it kind of puts focus on the whole athlete and not just uh, the hours on the screen.
0: Yeah, yeah I think that's uh, certainly definitely important to have that more sort of holistic take on on athlete health and development. And these, you know, these young uh, teenagers and esport athletes, that's what they certainly are. They are athletes. They're, they're high performance at, at what they do. Um, it's actually quite incredible to watch.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, in in the in the article, uh, you say that you did a sort of content analysis and sort of synthesis of the existing literature, uh, and it was sort of non-participatory. Um, have you begun to do any sort of participatory research uh, or fieldwork into esports? Uh, and do you sort of play any games yourself?
1: I'm actually starting uh, to do some interviews in August um, uh, together with Lucy Piggott, uh, who is a postdoc at Tentenu, and uh, Judith Holden, uh, who is soon a retired professor <laughs> <laughs> at Tentenu. Uh, we, we were able to secure some uh, small funding. Um, so we plan to interview um, managers, and coaches, and, and leaders. Uh, in Norwegian esports, um, mainly with a focus uh, towards management and uh, gender equality and gender roles uh, so I'm very much looking forward to that that would be uh, my first uh, dive into actually collecting some real data and not just reading texts
0: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, fantastic well we might have to get you and uh your postdoctoral researcher um, back onto the back onto the podcast have a talk about that and and however many months time uh, you know once you have some of the preliminary findings that'd be sort of fascinating to see the follow up on that.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you asked if I played any games. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I kind of <laughs> two questions is too much to handle. <laughs> uh, I I play. Um, a bit of uh, Hearthstone on and off. Uh, I think it's quite fun and it doesn't really require me to stay engaged that long. You can just play a short match and and, um, that's it. Uh, And I also play this game called uh, Real Boxing, uh, which is just also a mobile-based game. (laughs) So I guess I'm kind of... Stereotypical that as a woman, woman I prefer mobile games. Mobile games. <laughs> yeah, which is apparently the case in terms of platforms.
0: <laughs> oh, that's interesting.
1: Uh, yeah, men prefer the computer games and women the mobile platforms. Uh, from the latest research I've seen.
0: Hmm. Fascinating. Is uh Do you know if your your boxing game is any better than the SNES punch out? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's slightly better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. For all you listeners out there, uh, you know, go and go and try it both out and uh, let us know which which you prefer. <laughs> yeah. So I guess you said um, you're planning on doing some of these uh, some of these interviews uh, and doing a little bit more participation. Um, do you? plan on conducting maybe what's called sort of digital ethnography or or netnography or are you planning on on going to these uh esports clubs and groups in person and participating uh in the computer games while you're there
1: now as of now i i think about going physically to the 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 spaces where this is happening uh digital ethnography would definitely um, be interesting but um, Right now, I, I have a bit too many different projects going on to undertake anything else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think I need to, to follow through the, the interviews um, and this uh, project in the fall before I think about something else. Um, but I also supervise a PhD uh, fellow, Egil uh, Rogstad, who is uh, writing his um, thesis on um, gender and esports, and he is actually conducting a survey right now um, about um, well many things, but about uh, motivation, about uh, gender and playable characters, um, harassment management, many different topics. So I think uh, I think he, he will. Uh, probably publish some uh, very exciting empirical work uh, within the next year, year and a half. Uh, he's collecting data right now. So, you know, it takes takes forever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Between the collection and then the, the publication timelines are, are really long in academia. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll definitely uh, make sure to, to look out for all the exciting e um, empirical research that's coming out of, of Nord University and and Buddha in particular uh, at the moment. That sounds, that sounds really fascinating. I'm really looking forward to, to checking up on the research over the next uh, months and years to come, I think. Yeah. Um, before we started the interview today, uh, you had mentioned that you'd also published another uh, article around eSport uh, with the title, Calling Beer Drinking a Sport. Um,
1: uh, now the the article is actually called "What's Next? Calling Beer Drinking uh. a Sport, Virtual Resistance to Considering Esport as Sport." And uh, so uh, the the other article, "Esport 2.0, is more broader about the development uh, of esports in Norway in this period from 2016 to 2019. Uh, but this other article, uh, "What's Next?" Uh, it's uh, I followed the first season of e which is uh, Norway's first professional e-football league. Um, it was hosted by the Norwegian Football Federation. Um, all of the teams in the top league were invited to join and hire e-sport players. And it's very professional. They have the same team, jerseys and yeah. And they show it on TV, and they have commentators, and looks very professionalized. Uh, so what I did in, in uh, second article is I followed uh, the first season, the mm-hmm. and I just looked on uh, um, on the news about uh, each match and, all, and so and so, and the comments, and sort of followed the, um, how it was received. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> through comments and likes on social media and you can say a lot about social media and comment fields but <laughs> that quote is is from the material uh, with um, with the football fan saying what's next calling beer drinking sports <laughs> right yeah
0: <laughs> funny enough i'm 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 sure this this commenter probably participates in some form of well and this is pure speculation but uh, in my own practice you know Potentially their own sporting league where perhaps they go out for a beer or so after the match, you know, and you could call that a beer league sport itself. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now it was quite fascinating. I would say the main finding in that article is, is uh, the groups of people who are most vocal about mm-hmm. resisting esports or resisting e-serien as a professional the eFootball League are football fans. Um, so they do not like that eSports is kind of imposing on their domain. Um, and I, uh, from, from my findings, I saw that uh, some of their concerns being voiced were that uh, um, they are worried that eSports will um, sort of uh, steal money from the football clubs in terms of resources, sponsorship, um, and also media attention, uh, there were some comments that some football clubs, uh, for instance, posted more on Twitter uh, during the teams' e-football matches than their actual football match- matches. Right. Um, so, sort of those kind of concerns that come out um, on social media.
0: Ah. Fascinating. I wonder if that's partly a, a generational concern with many of the uh, the young university uh, football fans. I know here at the University of Brighton, uh, a lot of them do play um, the FIFA games and uh, the NBA and the NHL. So they are uh, both watchers and video game players as well as uh, performers and athletes themselves. So it's sort of all combined in, in, um, in the early 20s uh, and yeah. younger people.
1: Yeah, that's uh, one of the main arguments of the Norwegian Football Federation is that um, they say that their own surveys show that people who play uh, e-football, FIFA that they also play football and they watch football. Uh, so they, their argument is that there is no sort of opposite between playing e-football and loving football. Um, is a good argument, of course, uh, mm-hmm. but I also know uh, there was a study, I think it was a football club in Monaco, uh, it's on the reference list in my paper, <laughs> but I, I can't remember exactly the team. But, uh, anyways, um, the study there found that uh, a professional football team who introduced eSport they kind of just produced two different supporter cultures so. The, they just developed this the new supporters that followed the e-footballs mm-hmm. uh, and then you had the regular football fans that followed the team and they didn't really interact or care about each other
0: um, interesting so I guess as a, a sort of final question uh, to wrap up the discussion about sort of esports in Norway for the time being at least um, what would be uh the main what's well, maybe one of the, the, the biggest positive impacts that you've seen um, from the incorporation of, of esports uh into some of these schools uh, and um, into some of these sports club in Norway?
1: I would say that it's slowly killing some of the stereotypes that gaming is antisocial, um, that it breeds violent behavior. Uh, and, and all this kind of, I'm sure these stereotypes are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but because there are more and more examples in the media of the positive sides of gaming. Mm-hmm. And esports, of course, of course, like any other sport has good sides and bad sides. So um, you can't escape that. But I think that gaming has kind of an unfair reputation. Um, and is often uh, kind of demonized a bit mm-hmm. in media uh, and the most positive impact is that that's slowly changing maybe because people are becoming more aware of some of the uh, positive uh, more positive sides uh, there was uh Um, And and I write quite a bit about this in the U-Sport 2.0 article. There was um, a very strong uh, uh, story in the media, um, Norwegian media a few years ago about uh, a young man who, uh, he was born with a type of disease. Uh, So he spent his whole life in a wheelchair and, Mm and... He died in his 20s from that disease, but he played, I think it was World of Warcraft uh, or another um, role-playing game Mm -hmm. um, a lot, and his parents didn't really understand it and they didn't really like it. And after he passed away, uh, suddenly all of his gaming friends, his virtual friends and they sent send messages to the parents they came to the funeral uh, and they really first after he was gone they understood how much gaming had meant uh, for his social well-being and, and how uh, important uh, these friendships were uh, so his parents since then have, have had many interviews and, and talking about this from the parent perspective and and how they wish that they understood gaming, uh, more, uh, earlier. Um, and I think that was kind of, uh, um, an eye opener for a lot of people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. These, these groups, these clans, uh, these communities online are, are really, uh, a, a, a source of that, that social well being for, for so many people.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, it's a really nice nice story. Nice to hear um, that it, it's had such a sort of positive impact, I guess, on on so many people from from around the around the globe in that situation. Great. Well, thank you again, uh, Anna, for coming on to this podcast today. Um, really appreciate you taking the time. It's been really interesting to talk about Youth Sport 2.0 and the growth of eSport, uh, both sort of globally and, uh, and within Norway in particular.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Transforming Sport. Special thanks this week to my guest, Dr. Anna Tjondal. You can find more information about her research and the critical work she is undertaking to transform sport through social innovation in the show notes or on the podcast webpage. After a long hiatus after season one, I've decided to shift the number of episodes we put out on a regular basis. A lot of this has to do with the voluntary nature of this project and that I'm still working on finishing my PhD. So I'll be putting together one episode per month for season two. Keep your ears peeled. As always, this podcast is affiliated with the Sport and Leisure Cultures Research Group at the University of Brighton, produced at the university's Eastbourne campus. You can tweet at me at Sean Mr. Heath and the show at Sport Transform. If you have any episode ideas or want to collaborate on a project, please send us a message. You can find more information about the research group past episodes and links to further information at our podcast home at anchor.fm slash transforming sport.